Did you ever wonder what made up the inner you? No, I'm not talking specifically about your intestines and blood and stuff. I'm talking about what exists beyond the physical, the metaphysical, if you wish. This universe is filled with so many questions and we are here to address them all. Well, hopefully a lot of them. What makes you a better human being? What ignites the fire within you? What makes your body move the way it does? What makes you tick? What makes you do what you do? What makes your soul sing? What makes you, you? On The Inner You, join Hal Eisenberg and me, Allison Teicher-Farbach, as we embark on a journey to answer these questions and more, and above all, the most important one, who is The Inner You? Welcome back, all our listeners at The Inner You. It's so good to be back. Allison, I uh, decided today to do something different. Usually, you know, in the past, we go right into our guests. You know, you always have these amazing openings that I always praise you for. Thank you. And you're welcome. And, you know, today, I just feel like based on some of the feedback I was getting from some of our listeners, they were like, hey, we want to hear from you and Allison in the beginning. We want to hear what you guys are up to. And you know, just like a kind of a catch up from our last show. So our last guest was Camille Eterno, who was running for UFT president against Michael Mulgrew. Mm -hmm. And we got amazing, amazing feedback from that episode. And right now, currently, Camille is on top of that ballot. And it is all over the Department of Education and Mm -hmm. her United for Change campaign is moving forward. And it was just kind of cool to see that across the Department of Education, you know, 1.1 million students. And she announced that she was running for UFT president on our little podcast. Mm -hmm. So super exciting, right? I think it's so funny because, I mean, I see her every single day and it's just a reminder that. In the ordinary things we do every single day, there's so much extraordinary to what we do. There's so many extraordinary things that people are doing that sometimes if we don't pause and like say, wow, look at what this person's doing, then we might miss it. And I think lately, at least for myself, I'm trying to take a a slower approach to different things and really sink in and, and show gratitude and appreciate all the different things and the different Uh, people I see every day and the different people I get to speak to so it's just it's so nice and I'm not sure if we'll have the results by the time this podcast comes out or or what that but I just think that everything Camille and United for Change is doing is just phenomenal and I can't wait to see what comes next absolutely I want to wish them the best of luck and whoever wins my prayer for them is to keep serving our youth and our teachers and just trying to raise the bar for what education you know can be for New York City and I'm so glad Allison that you brought up like extraordinary things I'm feeling pretty blessed like since our last show as well like we have a lot of things like in the fire right like oh yeah right we have a gigantic 20th anniversary youth leadership conference coming up at St. John's University, Mm -hmm. where we're running the Dream Out Loud conference. And I have announced that it is my last conference. And obviously, I'm way too young to retire. We won't go there. But I am retiring this event because we are 
moving more into our education reform model and bringing that to schools all over the city and hopefully the country soon. So for clarification, it is the conference that is being retired. You are not retiring. So like we have that, we have that little uh, clarification there just so people are aware. So Hal is not of retirement age for clarification. Just, just putting that out there in case anyone's fact checking things. Absolutely. I am still 32, even though our guest that's coming on in a few seconds and our next guest that we have lined up for the next show, because this is a two part series for reasons our listeners will find out soon, will probably prove that I'm not really 32, but I'm sticking to the 32. (laughs) Fine by me. Definitely fine by me. (laughs) So Allison, like, what have you been up to lately? What's going on in your life? Well, other than getting uh, some conference stuff up and running, I just published my third book, first poetry book called The Lighthouse, which I actually have sitting next to me. You can't see it because of this podcast, but I have about like 90 copies of the book sitting next to me. I'm working on another poetry book through poetry competition. And I just found out the day that we're recording this, that uh, Nassau County Voices and Verse has accepted my poem. And I will be published, ironically, the same day as the Dream Out Loud conference. So a lot of big things happening that day. And it's, uh, it's going to be exciting. So a lot, of, a lot of new things coming up and a lot of new things, like you said, happening soon. So it is a good year and it's going to be an even better year. That is super amazing. I'm just going to go on record that I got the first autograph copy of The Lighthouse and my review is five stars out of five stars. Everyone should pick up a copy. So I'm super excited about that. And hey, Allison, why don't we just do one more like shameless plug? Sure, uh, I know why that's not? I, I know that's like your fourth, fifth, sixth book, whatever. You're like a well-published author at this point. But we have an amazing honor. We got chosen for something that we're doing together in November, which is yes. exciting, right? Do you want to tell our listeners about that? Sure. So we were officially selected to do a workshop for the National Council of Teachers of English annual convention. It's called Sueños, and it's actually based on like the lighthouse theme. So it was really funny that we actually found out we were going to be presenting at this conference in California in November, the same day that my book, The Lighthouse came out. So it's a, it's a big year for lighthouses. And uh, I guess we are going to be a beacon of hope. So (laughs) it's so funny you said that because when our guest comes on in a second, that's just ironic that you said beacon of hope. We'll bring it back to that for sure. So yeah, that's a big honor. We're going to be presenting in Anaheim, California. We're going to be Mm -hmm. presenting our framework, presenting our new model for education reform to all these amazing teachers that are going to be there. Yes. And you know, it's funny. So speaking of like light and all this different stuff and being the beacon of hope and stuff this morning, I was reading a quote that I don't know, found somewhere on the internet that said, stay close to people who feel like sunshine. And I feel like that was the appropriate quote to come up, especially today with our next guest here. So I am really looking forward to today's conversation and I hope all of our listeners are as well. I know I am. So Allison, with that, why don't you bring on drum roll, please? So our next guest is the literal embodiment of sunshine. It is impossible not to feel welcomed and loved within her presence for her smile and her soul glow far beyond what anyone could ever imagine. 
She is a entrepreneur who founded the entrepreneurial coaching organization Here For You, and she is a Zumba and Zumbini instructor as well. In addition to her 20 plus years of being a licensed social worker who has worked with hundreds of families and children of all ages, backgrounds, ethnicities, and cultures, she's an incredibly empowering woman, phenomenal wife, and is raising one of the most amazing little girls ever, Lexi. Everyone, please welcome Regina Rossi Lamont. Wow. I'm like, I am speechless. And for those people who know me, that's rare, <laughs> especially <laughs> the guests and moved. I'm really touched and moved, Allison, because as you guys were speaking about Beacon and Sunshine, for everyone who doesn't know where I live, I live in Florida and it is like sunshine most of the time. And, you know, that's that you said, like something about home you know, and that's really my philosophy is for everybody to feel welcomed and at home with who they're with and wherever they are. So I really appreciate that. And that was beautiful. It was just beautiful. So I'm excited, guys. I know Allison, you know, for a long time. I know how even longer. And so um, I'm ready for this podcast and I'm ready to have the conversation be happened and see what happens. So yay, let's go. Regina, it's really weird to call you Regina. I've been calling you Re for like 25 years, right? We met in the sandbox when I was seven. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> wow, that's really impressive. Yeah. So I might slip between Regina and Re. So our listeners know Re is you. We can tell people how you got the name Re if we want. But, you know, Regina, I've been going back and forth because 25 years is a long time. And, you know, for people who need to know, like Regina is actually the reason that I got into social work. And she was the person who opened up the door for me when I was super young and was really, really lost. And I didn't know like which way to turn, like she did for thousands of young people. She showed me what was possible, you know, back then. And I didn't have a penny to my name and <laughs> or a clue who I was. And she was the first, you know, light that showed me possibility. But Regina, going through that story and making an outline of what I wanted to talk, there's like thousands of things. And, and we've had a million conversations that have, you know, gone on for hours, right, about so many topics. But it was like, where, where do we start? Where do we go? So I, I just want to start with a simple question, like, because I could tell people like how I feel about you and, and how we met and stuff. But I'd like for you to share with everybody, like the answer to like, who is Regina? Wow. <laughs> okay, simple question. Laugh tracks got ha ha ha. <laughs> wow, who is Regina? You know, it's so different from 25 years ago and so not, right? You know, that has been the 25 year journey. I appreciate like what Allison said. I am still that woman that I will admit lights up a room, right? You know, and from a space of like wanting everybody to be seen, everybody to be acknowledged and everybody to be heard. That's a huge stand for myself. And it's wavered in and out throughout my journey of my life of like people often saying she's the center of intention, starting with my parents. And, you know, when you're little, right, Allison has a little one, two, my daughter's five and a half, you know, that center of attention, we mean that, 
because they light up that room. They bring that joy, you know, they catch our attention. But somehow or another along the way, you kind of grow up with the center of attention. And as you become a teenager and an adult, for whatever reason, it kind of turns into like, well, she's the center of her attention. I've wavered throughout my life of not wanting to be the center of attention. And that's ironic because how and Allison know, like, listen, you know, I'm a speaker, I'm a coach, I'm, you know, I, I teach Zumba and Zumbini, like I'm the teacher, I'm the facilitator, I've run conferences, you know, and for the, we'll get there, but I mean, the lead singer in Pal's band, you know, but there's that interesting way through my journey of looking at how can you be the center of attention and be a leader, right? And so that's where I would say now, I turned 54 April 11th proudly, proudly, you know, as a mother, as a wife, and as a leader, you know, saying that that center of attention, who I am, is out to, and I love you said Beacon, because we'll get to that later, really is to have everybody find their light and shine that out there. And so that is really where I'm at now. Like who Regina is, is that light. My light shines out so that Lexi can reflect and see her light be shined out. So that how, like when we met, for your light, that in your version of your life was dark. You just said that, right? But like it was, you know, I get to be myself. And I feel like I'm at this moment really feeling at home with who I am, you know? And so that's what my mission in life is so that each and every person finds their light, a beautiful beacon because the darkness is amazing. I'm a night person for most people who don't know that as much as I love sunshine and I live in Florida. I'm a person who stays up late. I love to go out late. And, you know, a lot of people have whatever they have about darkness, but like that is just our journey. Right. And so if our light shines through the darkness, you know, what can you see and what can you create and what can be envisioned? And I love a beautiful day and it's sunny, but there's something in that darkness and in that cloudiness when that light shines through, you may see that shadow that you never seen. You might find something that you missed. So yeah, that's how I see myself. And that's really what my, my mission is for every human being. I think it's so important that you mention how people need to, you know, understand the darkness and like, you know, darkness isn't something that's like necessarily bad and that people can find their own light and you help people through your beautiful light, find their respective lights and see the good things. So my question is, where did this all begin? Did you just wake up one day and you were like, you know what, today's the day I'm going to shine my light and everyone's going to find their light as well. Like, where did this all begin or was this just something like naturally that you just were like no like this is this is it yeah really great question Allison I would say my brother Vinny is probably the beacon for me so I grew up in a home we're all adopted all from different families my mom and my dad tried to have children they've had five miscarriages and then went through that journey of adopting and my brother John was adopted first and he was, I think, four or six months old. Vinny came out, you know, a few years later and they adopted him. And then 
they waited for me. And my parents said they waited for that little girl. So there's something in like that, you know, the little girl syndrome of a mother and father that have that whole conversation of our princess is finally here. To be honest, you know, I've seen their videos growing up. You know, I am the princess. Like it's, it's there. They made that happen. So that's definitely been instilled in me. But along the way, my brother happened to be, came out at a very early age. He came out that he was gay at 15. And this is back in 1980, which I was in seventh grade at the time. And so if you listeners know, if you go into the DSM-4 diagnostic manual, it was, I think, 1978 was when it finally got out of the manual that gay was not a mental illness. So get that. Like, so my brother comes out two years later and it's not like, oh, it's written in a manual and everybody's like, woohoo, we get it. No, we still have all of that to this day. To this day, we have a huge, huge disconnect in our country about mental illness, right? That's why we're all here. It's why we have this podcast. That's why the inner you was created to have a conversation, to have people break the stigma and break the shame and the guilt because there isn't. The most important thing in a human being's life is to mentally, physically, and spiritually feel complete and shine their light. So my brother comes out, my parents are like, what did we do wrong, right? Because people didn't have an understanding. They only grew up what they grew up in. There must be something wrong. Must've been something wrong with their birth parents. You know, so they did what they did. We grew up Catholic and Roman Catholic, nothing against anybody who's listening. All I'm just saying is that in the Roman Catholic, that is not considered, that's a huge sin. So now we've got my parents dealing with the sin of God. And so they go with everything that they kind of heard about, you know, these conversations written in books and in newspapers. So they go and find a therapist who's going to change him. And that was like the journey. So we go to counseling, my brother coming back hysterically crying every single week, going to like family counseling, listening to a counselor. And I'm young. He's 15. I'm four years younger. You know, I'm 11. My other brother is 17. You know, and I don't know what it is. I believe in something bigger than just this lifetime. So I feel like it's other lifetimes that's come back. But I remember sitting there and watching my brother literally probably have a panic attack. And it was such a nightmare. And I just screamed and said, why is everybody trying to make him something that he isn't? He is who he is right here. I love him. He's my best friend. Why can't you just love him and accept him? And I don't know where that came from, you know, and that was the beginning of a really heartbreaking journey for my brother, but my voice and my like beacon of light. I kind of just want to like touch upon this for a second or, or reiterate this. I have this conversation with the LGBT youth that I work with now. And I recently went to an LGBT conference that was at City Field and It was amazing to me to watch because one of my prides is, you know, running the largest GSA, I think, in the country. I had 300 students in my gay straight, GSA's Gay Straight Alliance, for our listeners who don't know. And this was back in 2000, before gay marriage was legal. But yet we had come so far since 1980, even at that point, right? 
now there's still a lot of work to do, but there is a lot more acceptance and openness. And there's my office has a transgender bathroom that wasn't even a conversation in 2000, which was only 22 years ago. In 1980, only 20 years before that, you, you couldn't walk down the street without being ostracized and you were 11, right? And yet something intrinsically in you, like we're talking about a generation that was like, even before, I mean, AIDS was around, HIV and AIDS was around, but it was before it was mainstream, you know, news, right? I remember everybody probably remembers who was around at that time, uh, where they were when Freddie Mercury passed away, which by the way, I've always said your brother has a striking resemblance to, to Freddie Mercury. I think everyone has told you that, you know, that was like the beginning of the conversations and we know the history and we know Ellen and all the things that brought awareness to the table. But I want to bring back to 11 year old Regina, right. Who somehow was taking in those messages, you know, and somehow intrinsically wanted to shine light because there was a lot of darkness, you know, you were dealing on some level with being adopted and there was heavy emotions with being adopted. There was heavy emotions with dealing with your brother's identity. And yet you were dancing to Michael Jackson's thriller, raising money for your, your first car doing Michael Jackson, like lookalike contests and singing your heart out and then going into social work and running programs where, you know, I watched 300 youth around you just be drawn to you. There's something in there that brought you to change and, and brought you to this idea of wanting to elevate people around you. Do you ever look at that of your life in that perspective, like starting from like how childhood impacted you to how you turned pain into positive? I would say not as probably deeply as we're now having this conversation now, and maybe I have, but that's, you know, a great journey. I would definitely say that, listen, you're born, I'm adopted into a, you know, you got to meet my mom, but not meet my dad. And my mom is a very strong vocal woman. And so, you know, that when you're born, whoever is raising you, you pick up all of those traits and personalities good, bad, whatever you want to say, that's it. And then you pick up the rest of cultures and everything else. So my mom, very vocal, very strong, big into family, the third generation, you know, Italian, both of my parents, my dad, who Hal didn't meet. And for those listeners who are ever listening, and I'm going to share them with you, my dearest friends will know I'm my father and my mother, my father, like a perfect combination you know, vocal like my mom, strong like my mom, definitely opinionated like my mom. My dad, like, literally brought joy. So my dad was a, you know, a butcher. And so being at his butcher shop, the biggest thing that people loved to this day, people share that you'd come in and if you were a child, my dad would ask you what your favorite cold cut was. Most kids, for whatever reason, we like bologna when we're a kid. I don't know why, we do. And he'd cut that piece of bologna. And it was like, he'd talk to them, my dad talked to everybody. We'd go food shopping. He would help the woman, you know, put their vegetables in their in the bag. And my mother would go, Fred, stop it. You know, you don't, <laughs> nobody asked. And, and everybody would say, it's okay. You know, it's okay. He's so lovely. So when you say, where is that? 
as I look at that, and I can honestly say I've got the best of both of those amazing human beings who raised me, my parents. And then, you know, you've got then how they raised their kids. And so however it, it connected into my brother Vinny, we connected deeply. I love my brother John, but John was like older than me, six years older than me. And so, you know, the memories of playing was more me and Vinny, right? Because he was like in between. And so Vinny just had very much of a personality of like my dad and my mom as well. And so we loved to dance and God, we watched Solid Gold and we'd be like the Solid Gold dancers and we, you know, watch all of those cool shows. So, you know, you kind of take your best of your family, right? You take all of those qualities of your family. So it was shown to me and family is big in my family. And so meeting my aunts, my uncles, there was just always tons of people and always family dinners and weekends. And it was fun. It was really, from my perspective, I got to see the light. I'm blessed. You know, I don't know. Thank you, God, for like, you know, for that. I got to see that all the time. Yes, I saw absolutely painful things in my family. And you know how we can talk about those as well. You have vibrancy to you, whether it's in person, whether it's on a Zoom call. Um, and I've even seen like your, your replays of, of different events and things that you've done. So I want to accidentally give away what I'm going to ask. But you mentioned dance, you mentioned family, you mentioned music, you mentioned fun, you mentioned things that, you know, you've seen um, and, you know, being the saver and, and the fixer and stuff and that, you know, we'll dive deep into in a little bit. But how do you think all of this has manifested into who you are now, specifically with all of the wonderful things that you're doing. You're still, even during a pandemic, which I really admire this about you, you managed to connect with people, young, old, like, you know, all, all these different cultures and backgrounds, you were still able to connect with people through a screen. You just have this way about you. Like, how did this all manifest or how did this really, like, Yeah, I get it. Um, So I would honestly say some of the journey, right, becomes through the conversations of, listen, I went to therapy with my brother, like at 11. I have lots of memories. And, you know, what's great about 11 is it's not like a daughter's at two, right? Like at two, we don't have those memories. Our memories are two based on the fact that our parents tell us what they are. At five, I can remember where my daughter is. At 11, we've now went up that part of our brain and I have that. So, you know, that difficult circumstance in our life, I got to see the way the therapist asked questions. I got to see the way they handled family dynamics. I don't remember the therapist's name. Sorry, if you're still around. But like, you know, the fact is that- Sorry if you tuned into our podcast randomly. (laughs) Just so happened to find us. Right. (laughs) Or if you're still alive, but like that, you know, that was the beginning. So that was my first experience. Right. And then my brother can, you know, after he ran away and he came back home, as Hal was saying, now you're in 81, 82. And by the time 85 came, so there was a lot of conversations. Vinny spent a lot of time spending a lot of, you know, personal conversations with me. We had this house where there was like a little cubby in our garage and he literally would speak to me like social. We would have like these conversations we're having right now. So he already had that and his experience of what happened to him in New York City, good and bad. He met wonderful people that literally pulled him out of his darkness and shined their light. 
and he went through very traumatic situations. If that never happened, I wouldn't have known really what therapy was about, right? My brother didn't run away and then trusted me, you know, to tell me. He like got me more inquisitive and uh, getting more to listening and coming up with like deep questions like you guys are saying, you know, and he went through that journey. Then he found his therapist, which you loved, and he would call me and go, you got to talk to my therapist. So we would have therapy sessions, which was really super fun. And he was like, this is it. Like, this is what you're going to be. My brother meant everything to me. And ironically, he knew that. It makes sense to me how you and why you became a social worker and how you worked at all these social service agencies and tying it back to the Beacon. You ran a Beacon program. For those of you listeners who don't know, Beacon is an after-school funded program from the New York City Youth Development Department. I forgot what they call it, NYCD now, right? But the program was called the Beacon and, and you ran after-school programs at a couple of Beacon sites. But then we're going to fast forward a little bit because I think this is also what Allison was was building up to. You, you, you took that light and kind of transformed your life because you did uproot from New York and you moved to Florida. And I mean, I believe once you're a social worker, you're always a social worker, right? But you went into a state where there were different qualifications and you ended up starting a company called Here For You. And you went into Zumba, which I understand why you went into Zumba because I forgot if Outlet was a rock band or a dance show, but it depended on what evening it was. But we'll we'll get into depending that. Depending on the second. song, depending on the song. Depending on the song she was performing or what the band was jamming or, you know, how many drinks were in our audience. But that's another story. <laughs> and then there's this thing called Zubini. I still don't know what Zubini is. You'll have to explain that to our listeners. But how? You, you, how could you not know what Zubini is? I don't know. I, know. I just okay. like, listen. <laughs> so like you you brought that light to this world so so explain to our listeners what's what's here for you what's yeah. Zumba, Zubini so yeah. on and so forth when I got to Florida in 2012 when my mom was diagnosed with cancer and, and she'd been diagnosed earlier but like at this point it had come back and I knew I had to get a hold on really what was happening and we found out how it was for her and got the oncologist to really say six months to a year. It was really perfect. At that point, I was working at a really amazing organization, but I'm one of those people that I can see the writing on the wall way before anybody else. And so I saw that something was happening in that agency and, you know, like budget cuts happen. We all know the deal, but there was something happening. And it was just at that perfect moment where I was like, I had a choice. And again, growing up a family, family is a priority for me. So I was like, I want a sabbatical. I was tired. I love what I do, but social work is tiring. And I was blessed to, I knew I was with, wanted to be with my mom and get a hold on it during the summer. And I was willing to give that up. I didn't know what the, really the laws were yet in Florida. I just wanted to be with her. And I was blessed to be able to do some online work before all of this happened with 2020. And um, when she passed and while, while she was alive, I found Zumba at her community um, because while she was sleeping and there were some people taking care of her, I needed an outlet. Da-da-da, Scott. Um, and so we'll get to that. And so um, dance has always been something I love. So I really didn't know what Zumba was, you know, I had a great time 
you know, doing Zumba. I wanted to stay in shape. And then when she passed, it was like, what am I going to do in life? And both Josh and I were like ready. So we knew we, that move, which was temporary, we decided, we chose. We chose to say, we're ready for a new adventure. Anything that you get in life is never taken away. Social worker is never taken away. I just don't have my license in New York active, right? I've done a lot of personal growth and development work and assisted and have been an introduction leader for one of my favorite programs, Landmark Education. I no longer lead introductions, Landmark, but the, the essence of introduction leader of what I got trained in is never taken away. So when it was time to go, what's next? And then I started finding out all about this different licensure and how I never really grandfathered into it. You know, there's a conversation about integrity and I just was not interested in going through all the licensure that Florida had for a clinical aspect that I never went into clinical in the first place. And I could have, and then it was like going back to school And going back for these hours and doing an internship again, it just didn't move me like the way it did. And I was like, no one's going to ever take away social work from me. And then my mentor, Fabio, who is, you know, my Zoom instructor came up to me and said, oh my God, you just shine your light. Like, like, do you want to do this? And I was like, what? He's like, you know, you can make money doing this. And I was like, yeah, no, I get it. But like, you know, and he's like, no, really. And seniors, I lived in a 55 year old community and I loved seniors and my mom was sick and I would be in her nursing home and everybody thought I worked there. The social worker was 25 years old. It's a whole other different thing. You know, I just ran kind of circles around that stuff. So nothing changed. What changed was I went back to my coach. You know, I found a coach who was just opening up her practice you know, that was, and I've known her for years and it was perfect timing. I was in the exploration stage, like, what am I going to do next? And she Mm -hmm. was like, I'm opening up a practice of, Hey, I'm coaching women to find their purpose, leave the nine, nine to five. And it was through that journey with her through that whole entire year where I wanted a ton of things. And in a million years, if you asked me, it was going to be a Zumba instructor. It wasn't, (laughs) you know, but it came up. And every time, like she'd say, well, you love this. You seem so joyful in it. Then all of a sudden she'd give me like a little homework assignment. And then he came up to me and asked me. So I just started following him for like a few months, going to all these 55 Nova communities. And it was so fun, but I still was social worker, right? Cause I was up there and I didn't have to counsel people, but like people would just come up to me and say something to me. And I would just say, yeah, I've got a resource for you. Yeah, I've got the, you know, like, <laughs> meanwhile, I have no resources in Florida, but I know I'll figure it out. And so it was a switch, but it also wasn't because you mm-hmm. know me, because there is a deep desire since I was a little child that I wanted to be a dancer and I wanted to be a Broadway star. And, um, and so this was sort of fulfilling on this little girl who was able to, dance right and have fun with all these genres of music from around the world and make a difference to have other people be like Broadway stars and we can do that together and then Zumbini came and Zumbini is a caregiver in me class for 
caregivers. And when I say that's caregivers, we're not using mommy me because it's for any person who is caring for a child. And what I loved about it was that it was, it's original music. The woman who created it, her and her husband wrote the songs and they, when it was found by Zumba, whole other different story, but when finally Zumba participated, they got the flavors. If for people who know Zumba, Zumba is around the world. It's not just Latin, it's everything. So these original children's songs have one song is country feel, one song is soca feel, one song is from Spain, like real actual flamenco. One song is, you know, American pop, but they're all original children's songs. And so I love that because that expanded now what I used to do, how, which is intergenerational, right? How perfect would this be? I can get certified in this, make a difference for families, which I wanted to do, have families really connect with their children in such an extraordinary fun way, but like break what they're used to, which is all McDonald had a farm, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> like we're now, those aren't the songs. You're going to learn these songs. You're going to get the music to these songs. You're going to break away all those songs. You're going to learn Spanish in these songs. And it was like not popular here in Florida. It wasn't. So I got in on a time to break through and all the parents were used to the typical mommy and me stuff. And so I just happened to come in at that perfect moment. So now I've got the parents, I've got grandparents, I got nannies, like everybody, they had somewhere to go. And then as the years went by, I started bringing them into the nursing homes where I worked. So I did the best of what I loved, which was like, why do I have to keep going to the nursing homes? Let's go and bring the kids to the nursing homes, with the moms to the nursing homes, with the nannies to the nursing homes. And then 2020 happened. <laughs> you mentioned, there, there's a lot to unpack there. And you mentioned how, well, obviously you're very passionate about dance. You're very passionate about care. You're very passionate about self-care. And you also mentioned 2020, which was a big year for many, many reasons. And before we actually hit record, you brought up a statistic that I think we're going to bring up now as part of our segment called Dig That Data. That the life expectancy in 2020 was 77 years old and that it went down 1.8 years from the year before. That's fascinating to me, you know, because... I mean, the other thing that you guys know, you know, Allison and I and, and Regina, you've come to some some of our, our programs at Passion Nights. Um, yeah. You know, Allison and I do some work with the Passion Center up in, in Toronto and we're doing a lot of coursework. And one of the things that we, we discussed in the programs and even in our last Passion Nights, we had uh, Nick Wetner from from Blue Zones come, you know, I love that one. Uh, Nick is the brother of Dan Boetner, who's on the cover of National Geographic magazines all the time. And, and National Geographic sponsors Blue Zones. And Blue Zones are, are pockets of areas around the world. I think there's now eight of them where the people in that area live to 100 or more, right? And they have, you know, nine things in common that they study this research that allows for human beings to live. And the truth of the matter is, 
human beings are designed to actually right now scientifically live to 120 if we're putting the right things into our body and and if we have passion and we have purpose and we have community you know so it's really interesting when you think about that statistic it's powerful right 2020 we went on shutdown everybody was isolated you took the community out of the equation right you you took the passion and yeah. the purpose out of people's lives, you know, and then all of a sudden, look what happens. Like there's a correlation. Life expectancy is dropping. Drop. Now, in the United States in general, we're, we're probably the least healthiest country around. So like we could actually segue right now, dig your data into the bigger picture. My question really is, Regina, like in your opinion, where do we go as a society from here? Like, you know, I feel like we should be designing a culture that is promoting these nine things, right? To live a longer life, a healthier life, a more holistic life, yet we're not, you know? So how do we shift that? And and where does it begin? Oh, I'm going to disagree with you to say that we're not because we are and how that's happening is exactly right now like this. Mm, So 2020 happened and we can have lots of perspectives on it. Absolutely. Does the 1.9% or 8% decrease from 2019 to 2020? Absolutely. Because it tapped into having people be trapped and isolated and community was shut down because fear became across the whole entire world. Right. And there is a really, in my philosophy, and many have written about this, many, 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 and even every religion, there's two feelings, fear and love. And you can put a ton of words underneath fear and you can put a ton of words underneath love. And so we have like just grown up in this uh, technology world that everything is instant, 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 instant. And so we don't spend time stopping and thinking like what you guys had me do today, which was like, you'd ask me this really incredible, thoughtful, analytical question where like, I was like, hmm, I didn't think about that. Let's think about that. And I thought about that. And now I have a lot to go back to look at. And so there was a lot on TV. People go to TV and then you're stuck with fear. Then there's a lot of us that didn't do that. And even if it's one person, because I'm a huge believer that one person can ripple effect a whole entire population, is there are tons of pockets of blue zones out there. They may not be doing the blue zone, but there are tons of pockets of people that are out there. And you know, we started with, I jumped on that bandwagon and started with doing what my purpose was meant to be. And then reached out to those people and spent a lot of time doing that. And Josh did his purpose and you did your purpose. Allison did her purpose. You know, we kept on doing what we meant and we kept on exploring what our purpose were. For many people, it was a complete breakdown in their psyche, spirit, and body. And we can see that as a half 
glass not full and kind of go, that sucks. And I'm the glass half full, <laughs> you know, which is we needed that. Like so the, we needed that. So right? the bigger picture really is like maybe the glass isn't half empty. The glass is right. half full. Exactly. So maybe if we're not doing all nine of those things as a culture, maybe 2020 woke us up to move towards absolutely towards working towards longevity so even though it dropped maybe you know this is a wake-up call how, how much i mean i don't know if you guys have done any more statistics of other things but think about this 2020 happened we're in 2022 there's nothing that's ever the same nothing's ever yeah. the same now at this moment and moment and moment right so what's interesting is um you and i have a really good friend pal named tally and I got to reconnect with Tally. Hey, Tally. I'm with him. Hey, Tally, if you're listening. <laughs> Which I loved was, you know, I, so my passion through 2020 has been like reconnecting, right? Reconnecting with people, checking in. Because again, everything is instant gratification, you know, text, whatever. How we're going to heal, how we're going to grow is go back to, in a higher conscious, go back to connecting people like this way. Let's have conversations. Let's be in dialogue. Let's question everything that has been all the way up until this moment. Question me, do it. You know, mm. let's have that, you know, let's have a conversation, conversation right. you know? Yeah. Um, and like, that's making phone calls again. That's writing letters. My girlfriend wrote me a love letter. She posted on Facebook and she said, just for Facebook for one reason, Everybody, you know, you're on Facebook. I'm out to like shift the whole entire experience. I want to write you a love letter. If you are my friend and you want a love letter for me, write it. Let me know. And I said, yes. I didn't know she moved to Germany, first of all. And number two is I got a love letter. And it was like kind of what Allison just shared about me in the beginning. That's like, that's what she did when 2020 happened. She wrote 1300 letters to people. How many people still get letters? How many people still really get letters, right? Right. You know, so that's how we're shifting things. Well, I'm back to Tally for a second. Tally and I get talking and she's working from home and she works with like, um, you know, you buy different glasses and different frames and summer sunglasses and all this stuff. What changed for her in 2020 was her company has now shut down their main office where everybody works from home. Everybody got a raise. They had one of their best years because what they realized was that people were more healthier and happier, not having the stress to travel back and forth to work. They were more productive at home because nobody was on them and going, we need a meeting to have meetings, have meetings, have meetings, have a meeting. Mm. People knew what they did, had their stuff. She's able to live her life the way it is. Yes, she has like a you know, our type of, you know, job, like let's just say nine to five, but technically she can go at 10 o'clock and go and run, ride her bike for an hour if she wanted to, because the work gets done because people are more productive. It's sort of like that movie nine to five. And I'm really dating myself, Alice. You won't remember that. I love but that movie. Like, <laughs> thank you, Allison. But if you watch nine to five with Dolly Parton and all of those awesome people. Working nine to five. They were, they were doing Ooh. it back then. Ooh. 
don't even joke about that. <laughs> I love Dolly. <laughs> so I mean, if you, I mean, they brought it back then, right? It was women fighting for like, why are we working so hard? When what would it look like if a mom and another, you know, woman and sh- and she's not a mom and she's okay with working later hours and this mom needs to leave and have daycare and you know, like it all worked out. I think we all inherently know when push comes to shove, one person truly can create a ripple effect and it can be something that we never could have imagined to begin with. And we just, we go and we do, and that's just part of life. And to segue into kind of where we're going to leave off slash what's going to happen next episode during this, 2020 onward um, kind of journey, you've made an immense impact on the lives of a very uh, many people, obviously, I'm not, you know, trying to undermine all of the amazing things you do, but you've made an amazing, amazing doesn't even cut it, impact on, well, one person in particular. Um, I don't know if you want to be the one to tell the story, but she is going to be one of our uh, guests on the next show. And I think this would be the perfect time to show how one person truly can make a difference and can just create endless and limitless opportunities. So if you want to talk about the, yeah. uh, the miracle. So i um, super excited that you guys are going to be interviewing uh, Frankie Eisenberg and her husband, Scott Eisenberg. That's the um, first time I've heard her like referred to as Frankie Eisenberg. Yeah. Like, right. so, so, just call her Frankie, right? I just call her Frankie and, and like Frankie Sparks. She's been Frankie Sparks to me since middle school, but yeah. that's, it's so weird they had that. But anyway, I didn't yeah. mean to cut you so, off. So, <laughs> um, you know, we'll podcast another day. So just to make it real quick and, you know, whatever, guys go onto my YouTube, feel free to watch my YouTube about how and I and our journey of our relationship and who we are, right? Fast forward, we were married, we're divorced. I consider him one of my closest friends. I love him with all my heart and soul. And when people are connected, they're connected for life. And so I'm someone where Scott was my stepson. While we were married, he became my godson. And being divorced, he's still my godson slash stepson, you know, like whatever. And Frankie, I met when you know, they were kids and none of that changes. So like, that's what I say, like there is the power of when you do your, you know, therapy, growth work, however you want to do it, you can literally get through any circumstance because all there really is in my life is love. That's all there really is. So Frankie and uh, Scott, you know, I know for a long time and I've been coming up to New York to visit my best friends and a lot. And Frankie's been sick for a long time with, uh, needing a kidney and has been dealing with kidney dialysis. So it was really during one of my visits up there when all of a sudden I just kind of got curious, you know, being like, I don't get this. I'm watching Facebook. I'm touching Facebook with Scott. I'm like, why is this taking so long? I don't know much about kidney donation, but I didn't realize how long it was really taking. And I didn't realize like five years was passing by. You know, I was, you know, I don't know why, but 
time just goes by so quickly. So we were sitting in my best friend Kelly's house and she had come to visit with Scott to see me. And I just saw how pale she was. And again, I get this knock from God. That's like, ask her. And I was like, ask her what? <laughs> you know, I was like, just ask her. So I was like, Frankie, why is this so hard? Why is it so hard to get a kidney? And she said a bunch of things, but bottom line is she said, you know, I have a really rare blood type. And I knew, and God was like, ask her. And I said, on three, let's say what the blood, rare blood type is. And we both on three said, O negative, RH, RH negative, which is the second rarest blood type in the world, which means that we are universal donors, but we can really only get our own blood type. And so if you need a kidney, sure, most likely you can get a non-matched blood for it, but it's most likely not going to take. And the minute I said it, God was like, here's your purpose. And I was like, there wasn't even a thought. Like I wasn't with Josh. Josh was at home and that was it. I went home and I was like, he's just like, how was your visit? And when he knows that look, because how knows that look? Everybody knows a certain look that I have. And he's like, what? And I told him. And I just started researching it. And it was just simple. Like it was just simple, you know? And, um, and then I went on that journey and we were set, man. We were set. He was excited. Everybody was excited. I mean, Josh is always, like I said, a yes in my life. I didn't care what anybody else thought. I really don't, you know, because I know what my purpose is every single time it hits me. And I was on my way. And then 2020 happens, right? <laughs> you know, like 2020 happens. Right. And, um, and it was frustrating. It was super, super frustrating, you know? And then you go through 2020 and they call you up in the middle of the summer where they're like, hey, we're ready for you. And I was like at that point where I was like, it was June and Florida was at our worst. And I, the guilt of like having to say no. And then God saying to me, it's all good. She's gonna be fine. So like I had to work through that with them. But I said no. And then I was ready. Woohoo. And then I got COVID, like when I needed to go to New York. And I was like, are you kidding me? I didn't even know I had COVID because I was just going to go on a plane. And then we got through 2021 and I was going on a plane one year later, one year later from March 2020, like to like, you know, 2021, I got COVID again. <laughs> like I was like, seriously? Um, but yeah, we made it all work out within that month. And um, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a blast. <laughs> Sorry, people. It's, Only you would be like, oh, it's a it's blast. Like, uh, seriously, <laughs> first of all, I've got to let you all know, like everybody should donate their kidney. I'm not kidding. You know, I'm not kidding. We're made with two kidneys and we don't need two. Okay. And then we can go on a whole other thing on that. So number one, number two is I can tell you exactly who to go, who to see and how to do it. It's easy. Maybe. And um, it really is. And I had to spend five weeks in New York, man. I got to spend five weeks in New York and get hang out with people and heal. And yeah, I don't know. It was life altering, life changing. I got to reconnect with friends from high school who I had no idea donated their kidneys and all their stories. And, and she's my daughter. Like, I mean, 
as much as Scott's like my son, she's, there was just no way. There was no way that was not going to happen. No, Regina, like on so many levels, like, and there's also like no words, like when you called me and I know, I know we're, we're getting to the end of our show and the end of our time, but like when you called me and told me that you were a match and that you had decided to, to donate your kidney to Frankie, my first reaction was like, of course, God, like you, did you have this plan? Like, you know, 25 years ago, like, but you know what, it also shows on so many levels, like, and I honor you, and I'm so grateful for who you are in my life, like, it shows on so many levels, the emotional maturity that people can have, you know, people look at us all the time, we get stereotyped, I know you've been stereotyped, like, how, you know, you guys are divorced, like, it's a label, and like, you know, and it's like, you know, you guys, how are you guys friends? How are you still singing in his band? How the band's been together almost 25 years, like, you know, how, how are you still putting on shows? And, you know, there's, there's an energy about the human spirit, about just everyone loving everyone and not being locked into these, these human conditions and walls and that we put around us, right? And that, and that if we allow ourselves to be who we are, we allow ourselves to flow and, and be the love that we are, we can do so much for humanity, for one another. And, and you embody that. And you embody the, that um, by how you honor our relationship and how you followed your heart and your soul and you gave an organ, you know, to, to my daughter-in-law, right? So, I mean, on so many levels, it's just such an, an incredible, beautiful story. So I'm publicly thanking you on my show and, and giving myself the ability to, to just send you so much love and, and gratitude and positivity. And now we're going to torture you a little bit we more. We love you, but we're going to drive <laughs> you nuts right now. So bear with us. Go for it. Cool. This is how we tie up our show. <laughs> well, now that we've gotten to know the inner you, we're going to really get to know the inner you with this lovely thing we call speed round. So I'm going to ask you 10 questions and you can just respond with the first thing that you think of. So are you ready? You didn't tell me. <laughs> You're just like, wait a second. I didn't agree to this. Don't worry. It will be uh, stuff that you know. Okay, great. Relatively painless. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay, question one. If you could choose to know any language other than English fluently, which would it be? Bob Spanish. Question two. If you had to change your first name, what would you change it to? Queen. Nice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Question. Don't we call you that now? <laughs> <laughs> That's your official title. Yeah. Question three. Who is your hero? Oh, wow. I'm going to say my brother, Vinny. Question four, what is your favorite part of each day? Waking up. Question five, how many pillows do you sleep with? Two. 
the quickest answer. <laughs> Question six. What's your favorite family tradition? Christmas. Like I love decorating the Christmas tree and I'm very specific about Christmas ornaments and the way they need to go. Question seven. If you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? I hate you for that. I hate you for that. Oh, oh it's a tie. I'm going to combine you chocolate can... ice cream. <laughs> chocolate ice cream. I love chocolate and I love ice cream. Chocolate ice cream. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. Yeah. Okay, question eight. What is your favorite song to dance to? Oh, <laughs> There's the one cursor. Right I felt like that's the one question I could answer for you. <laughs> no, man, that's cheating. No, because you, you're not in my genre. You're going old school. <laughs> episode story. title, You're Not in My Genre. <laughs> <laughs> that is the episode title. <laughs> I, I cannot answer that question. Are you serious? Every time, every wedding we've been to, every time. Is it going to be Thriller? has come exactly yeah, every time the song comes okay. on in a bar it's not my feet it's just like a part of who i am but yeah okay that's sure i didn't okay. realize how it was i don't want to i don't want to answer for you you can answer a different song I, but honestly there's so many really great songs out that i just can't tell you but i will own it put it to you this way he is correct michael jackson kind of supersedes it's between michael jackson and whitney houston supersedes like kind of everybody so any Michael Jackson dance song. Fair. Okay, question nine. If you could give 20-year-old you any piece of advice, what would you say? Oh my God, Allison, you're killing me. I'm sorry. 20-year-old <laughs> me. All right. Stop looking at all the cute guys and pay attention to your classes. <laughs> That's hysterical. All right, 10th and final torture. I mean, speed round question. What is one word you wish everyone understood on an incredibly deep level? Love. Nice. I feel like I have one more question. On the How speed go round. ahead, speed round question number 11. A bonus question because you ding, did ding, so ding, great ding, on ding, the ding. first 10. What is your favorite outlet song to perform? Ooh, my favorite outlet song. Not your guys' favorite. Not, my, not our song. What's Regina's favorite song to perform? Shine. Nice. I love Shine. I love the words to Shine. There is that me and Mike Forget when we look at each other, when he has that moment in the bass. And then I get to like go at the end. You gotta let it shine. You gotta let it shine. Uh, I feel like uh, shining and light have been like the words for this yeah. episode. Shine, I really love that song. I when love I tell it. people about our band, especially the people up north, they're dying for us to come up and do a show up there. I always tell them like shine is like, it's that one song that we usually end off the first set with, with shine. It's that one song where just spiritually and energetically, yeah. 
there's a moment in the song where the band just kind of like steps on the gas pedal. I always felt like it was Grasso solo, you know, Grasso oh, solo. Well, we have two amazing freaking guitarists in that band, but there's something about that solo that just always elevates me. So I was curious what your answer was. Yeah. 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 Can I give a, like, can I give it a shout out to Josh? Cause you know, Josh. Yeah. Of course. So yeah. Josh, Josh has a favorite outlet song. Does he? And he, yeah, this is why I'm only bringing up that. Like, because he says this every single time. He says his favorite song by Outlet that he likes for me to sing is the one we don't do often. And I'm so blanking out on the name, but you'll know it in a minute. The Pat Benatar song. All fired up. That's his favorite all yeah, time. that's like a, every that's single a good song. Outlet for me, like like for me as being the lead singer, he says "All Fired Up" is his. He and and "All Fired Up" also that bridge that bridge is very spiritual, like yeah. you know, it's very empowering. It's a yeah. powerful song. I think Outlet does do. I mean, we're not a spiritual rock band, but but there's a lot of songs that have that spiritual vocals, that spiritual energy to it. It's so funny, Regina, like we talk about 25 years of this band, not just our relationship. Anyone we've ever dated or came, like everyone who we've had I know, thousands and thousands of people come to outlet shows like Allison's been at them through the years and Allison's, you know, video and, and took photos at a couple of them. Allison, do you have a favorite outlet song? I don't know because I think the first time I saw you perform, I was just so in awe of Regina's stage presence. Like it's one thing to meet you and have like a conversation with you, like face to face. And it's not like you take on a completely different persona on the stage, like you're the same person, but it's just so exhilarating to, I guess, feel the energy from the band and how you guys all like, like just connect together. And I, I don't even know, like, I can't, I can't name it. And I'm, I'm thinking of all the pictures um, that I took from the, the show that I saw you guys perform. And it's just like every single moment is such a beautiful snapshot and everything you guys sing and create, it just, it hits on, I guess, a soul level. Mm. So I can't pick one song. I do just find it so amazing when you guys have like all those people like guessing. And there was that one guy who like just got up there and I remember he was sitting like next to me and we were like having a conversation and then he's like, oh yeah, no, I've known them forever. I, you know, he like, and then he got up there and started singing and I was like, weren't you just like sitting next to me, like <laughs> drinking something like, wait, how did you get, wait, huh? Like, it's just such a like family community, like yeah. just atmosphere and it's a rock band i guess but it's also like a musical family yeah it's, you know I that's something we always we no. always prided ourselves on not having egos and we've had singers from other bands we've been in and and other people we've been blessed to sing with you know you know yeah. frank walker and colleen and ramona may she rest in peace you know we've lost somebody really dear to us recently that used to come in and sing with us. We've, we've lost a lot of people, you know, that, you know, we should dedicate this, actually this episode to Mindy, 
you know, who we tragically lost in, in, in December, but like so many people and souls, you know, have like crossed our paths and jumped on stage with us. And, oh my God, like Regina, I just, there's so many, like, do you have a favorite outlet memory? We, we should have opened the show with this. Like, like we could yeah, do a I do. episode like, on outlet. I'll say two, two other things. So my brother-in-law, Ryan just got married this weekend. Josh and I, pictures, by the way. Yeah, thanks. It was extraordinary. We all got to do a show there. But anyway, he was in an outlet show in, in when we played Manhattan. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. Um. So Ryan's wedding happened, and you know they've got the DJ, and we're on the top roof, and we're just having fun. And uh, it's the end of the night, and I was not drunk. Just want to admit this, and I'm just like allowing them to have their wedding, right? And Lexi was like the center of attention. Sweet child comes on. I run over to the DJ because it's the second to last song. And I go, can I have the microphone? Of course you did. Can I have the microphone? I really didn't, like, it. What I don't know what happened, right? Like, it was like this moment of, like, I was, like, not going to do that. Like, I wasn't the dance, but there was, like, a couple amazing dancers there. Like, it just, so I go and do it. And I'm just, you know, singing and Ryan's over there and Josh is in the back. There's like three people on the dance floor. I get to the end, you know, screaming out. And I, you know, drop it. The guys in the center were like, oh my God. And I was was like, in my brain, I was like, I can't believe we just did that. And I walk away to the back to some other people I don't know. And they're like, you just sang that? And I was like, yeah. They're like, I literally thought the DJ took a break. I was like, (laughs) I still got it. <laughs> it was that moment of like, only because Hal knows my polyps are really bad. My voice has changed completely. I really, you know, and I don't have an ego. Like, I'm always like, let the band continue. Like, go. Like, I'm always a part of Outlet. Like, social worker never leaves. Like, all this stuff never leaves. Go. Go do your thing. I will show up. I'll do something that I can do. But, like, I'm not going to push myself to a level, like, you know what I mean? I don't want anything to ever stop for them because I'm always part of that family. But it was like a moment where I was just like, oh man, I was able to sing that once, that one song. So it was really fun for that, you know, that particular memory. We forced Regina to be a rock singer. We probably were probably responsible for destroying her voice. I just, I never (laughs) wanted, oh my God, when you guys brought that song up, like Welcome to the Jungle, I was like, who the hell's singing that song? I'm not singing that song. You know where you are? And why I bring that up is Donna, that is my girlfriend Donna, doesn't go past the 70s. She hates anything past the 70s. And she loves our band and she hates Guns N' Roses. (laughs) She says that she loves Guns N' Roses, Welcome to the Jungle, only because I sing it. So we've gone out a lot because she lives down here and heard, you know, that song like in a thing and she'd be like you have to sing it to me because I don't want to hear this guy's voice <laughs> it's just like you're nuts I recently created a playlist and we'll probably have to wrap up this show right and yep. probably edit edit a lot but <laughs> but you know like, whatever. I, I'm not even sure this is part of the show but, but it's all good 
Um, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find we'll find out when it's released. First of all, I made a playlist of songs that I have ever played on drums in bands live and i have there's over a thousand songs but without it like we know well close to 500 songs like we've played as a band you know throughout the years you know so you know no two shows are ever like we have our staples obviously like jungle and sweet child and shine but we've done so much blues rock you know dance music you know yep i love that i loved our band stuff and that always that always worked you had asked me like a couple of minutes ago what's my favorite memory and i have honestly two really favorite memories one of my favorite memories is in the belmore street fair with scott and uh mike's son you know they were kids yeah, and you know scott this. playing the bass um i i see that picture you know, right there. And um, even Nancy's daughter that came up and sang with me when we were doing, you know, uh, Miss Independent. Miss Independent, Miss Self-Sufficient, Miss Keep Your Distance. We headlined Miss Kelly Clarkson. We, we, that's right, we used to cover Kelly Clarkson people, yep. yep. Um, and not so a shame to that admit one. that. Wow. So that's, one of, that's one of my favorite memories. And my second was Adelphi. You know, the fact that that's a big moment because probably being an opening band for June Jet. You know, and why we went there and for the reasons that we were there. And that place was packed. It's probably the biggest audience we ever played for. So it was emotional on a lot of levels from for us being the school that we went to for the reasons of you know 9-11 you know just so much of that we and opened up that show with it's my life it's my life it's now and well that's what i was gonna say it's so that song so when you ask me like well what's my favorite it's that's my second favorite and mm-hmm. it's been playing a lot on the radio and i forgot that bon jovi's now going on tour again and so because you know like i'm like this is a lot and i was like oh that's that's the one did you hear the story of why it's being played on the radio so often it's my life yeah. so we, we all know what's happening in the ukraine so right. there was a there was a clip of uh some soldiers preparing in the ukraine putting like sandbags into a truck and getting ready you know to go into battle whatever they were doing for war preparation and there was a band on the beach all the soldiers were singing it's my life um, oh. and so so this clip went this clip went viral of people going into into war like defending their country singing it's my life and john in, at his first show was so grateful and talked about the power of music and about, oh, about, that's that, awesome. about that clip and everything yeah so the, so now it's my life is like made a resurgence on no, i was on, wondering because i was like radio. i love that song and it brought back really great memories but no that was over that we we played in front of over 500 people that that yeah. that night that was a powerful moment yeah in our, in our musical journey for sure um, Joe Rock introducing us, yeah, and then Joan Jett, and yeah, it was pretty. That was pretty, yeah, that was pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Our guitarist son, who was like at the time, I don't know how old he was. He was a little, he was a little nothing. Got on stage and sang "Run to You" from Brian Adams. Yeah, man. Right, 
he's an adult now and he had started a band that got that's one of my favorite it's josh's favorite band to this day he prays they get back together yeah they they broke up but they had a gigantic a gigantic following he went right into music like right after that super super talented band and and super talented kid so yeah lots lots of amazing memories regina for sure you know i think my other favorite outlet memory (laughs) will probably be new year's eve at right in farmingdale (laughs) we won't my mom came my mom came and that was awesome yeah my mom has come to two episodes two one was at the blue parrot and that one she loved i have a great picture of her with the new year's hat on that was awesome we talked about and regina was dancing on the bars and singing on the bars and and a whole bunch of other crazy stuff that was a jam-packed show but but my favorite memory of that night was the up was the first note like Ah, he said the f word uh, i finally dropped an f on i knew i knew the whole show michelle's you, like whole entire piano fell like keyboard <laughs> bell and then it lost you know where her settings were and then she asked we, us to stop and start over <laughs> we learned the journey of, song because she, we finally had this keyboard player in the middle in the of a show and there was again a good hundred the first note people. of the night new year's eve the place is packed she hits the first key the first note the keyboard stumbles over, knocks the mic over. And I was like, oh, this is going to be an interesting night. But it ended up being one of our best shows. No, it was a great was show. Great. But yeah, but it was hysterical because she's just like, excuse me, what is that over? I'm like, you never the show must go on. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the rule in a band is always like, if you mess up, it's close enough for rock and roll. You keep going. Never stop because you screwed up, right? But we couldn't keep going. The instrument was on the floor. No, I did that for, you know, it's funny. Outlet really has led me into a lot of my career because so in, you know, when you teach Zumba, you need your speakers. And so I was teaching probably my first year of teaching Zumba, I remember my second, and it's happened now too. You go into gyms or you're in studios and you plug in. And I remember the gym, I was the uh, activities uh, coordinator there and I'm, at the end of my Zumba class, and there are two songs, one that's like Spanish and English because I like to mix them, and one that I was ending. And so we're all of a sudden, boom, like not just the radio, like the lights go out, but it's during the morning so we can still go on. And I, it's really important to never just stop. You've got to really cool down. So we just ended that one and it was for Last Dance. And I did my whole entire cool down singing live to them last dance so let's say let's say let's say let's say as we're like i'm like you know like that's just funny and they asked to this day because some of these women still follow me nine years later and it happened one other time and of course i had to come up with a cool down and my cool down the only song i can think of quickly off the top of my head is last dance so they all scream out sing last dance and so I get to sing last day. So I'm like, it's perfect. People have, I've seen it in Zumba and they stop and I'm the person singing a song because I'm like, we're going. Let's <laughs> That's why I said I want Spanish because there's so many songs in Spanish. And I don't know them. So I'm like, well, Regina, this will not be our last dance. We hope to have you back on our podcast. Would you like that segue? That was, awesome. that, was that was pretty cool. That was pretty this slick. This is just filled with puns, I feel like. 
Scott's going to be like, I got to throw this song in. I got to throw that song in. I got to throw. Now you want me to throw last dance in? He's going to edit all of this up. Uh, You know, I think I'm just going to send it to him and be like, yo, dude, edit what you want. He's going to like end like 30 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. But we need some kind of like ending, right? So anyway, Regina, this has been a blessing. Thank you for being on our show. I look forward to our next performance which I believe, if everything goes well, will be in Toronto. We're going to still do that show. We promised to do a show before COVID. The world shut down. Um, I'm still committed to doing that show. And then we're going to do a show in Florida. We're going to do a show in Nashville and then a show in New York. We got four, four more shows. So we're going to do a mini outlet tour and then maybe we'll retire from music. No, that won't ever happen. But anyway, guys, thank you so much. Any one sentence final words to share, Regina, with anybody? Everybody? One, I just want to thank, you know, thank you both for this extraordinary opportunity um, and for you know, really just having me kind of like look at my life and look at my journey. That's amazing. And so I just want to remind everybody that you know, if you're listening to this, you're not alone, that there is always someone and the three of us are committed to let you know that you're not alone. You know, pick up the phone, text, email. You obviously know Hal and Allison. Um, now you've got one more person in your life. So just to, it's what I kind of want to let people know. And Amen. for one extra pun to end the episode, um, for all of our listeners, we will always save the last dance for you, Michael Bublé. You can dance, every dance with the guy who gives you the eye, let him hold you tight. That's all for today, folks. If you want to hear more from me and Allison, check out my book, Beautiful Souls, or Allison's book, Be Your Own Hero, on Amazon. We have a bunch of announcements and other projects coming your way, so be sure to check us out on Instagram at Windows of Opportunity 88 for our latest and greatest information. I'm Hal Eisenberg. And I'm Allison Teicher-Farbach. And we hope you'll tune in next time as we discuss the journey to the NEU. Namaste. Be well, guys.